this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back this week with our second of what will be 27 Patreon picks this year, Jay. Pretty excited about this. We don't have to do any work this year. I mean, besides looking at the <laughs> records. But we don't have to pick well, any that, records. Yeah. You just let them flow in. Between that and the... Uh... Uh, the voting, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw you have a couple on the schedule. What one, one a month or so? Yeah, starting we'll, we'll... next month in February, all the way through, because January and December are not great release months uh, for music. So if you mm-hmm. go back to January of 1998 or December of 1998, there's not a whole lot to choose from. But in between, from February to November, there's quite a bit of material for us to cover, and we're going to go back. We're covering 1998. I was I was debating whether I should go with 1998 or 25 years, which would be 1993. Um, I figured, well, in 2023, we'll get to 1993. Yeah, right. So, and I've already got the podcast plotted out till 2025. So, <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. There's not a question that we're going to get there. So you you pick uh, for people who don't know you pick four records from twenty years ago that month. Yep. You throw them in the hopper, and then if you're a patron, you can vote, and the winner is the one we review. Or the the two that tie go to then a tiebreaker <laughs> quite often, which which I think are our patrons do on purpose. Which then I goes think... to a second tie, and then we end up flipping a coin at the end of it usually because that's what happens. So this. Episode J, we're welcoming back to the show. He joined us for the Super Transatlantic episode, Scott Witt. Scott, welcome. Thank you, guys. I thought you were going to say the Super Tramp episode. Ah, uh, Super Tramp. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about Super Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do they have any 90s records that we can talk about on the show? Uh, let's see. I don't know. When did Brother, uh, Brother Where You Bound come out? That was late 80s, so I think that was the last thing they did. Maybe that could be a round table, Super Champ in the 90s. There you go. Oh. That'll be a that'll be a big draw. <laughs> With small table. <laughs> I don't know that we'll have a... That a, guy, that singer, I can't think of his name, he is crazy. What's his name? Fred something or another? I can't think of his name. He is uh, he's nuts. Well, Jay, in a good way. We are not talking about Supertramp. Oh, okay. What was your pick, Scott? Tell everyone the album that you selected for this episode. I chose uh, the band The Gathering, and their album is How to Measure a Planet. And how did you come about to uh, to pick this record? Uh, when did you first discover it? That sort of thing. Well, um, this album came out, I think, ninety seven. Back then, you know, this was before, you know, the internet became the uh, all-important info source that we now know. Um, and back then, you know, for me, I'm I'm a hard rock kind of metal guy, and so the thing I always went to was there's a magazine called Metal Maniacs, and around this time, there's 
rise of uh, bands with female singers. You had um, like uh, Nightwish and Lacuna Coy just come out, Tristania, uh, Rain Fell Within. And so it was kind of neat, you know, a different, a little, legitimately a different voice. And um, there used to be this festival called the Milwaukee Metal Fest, and they had an article on them. And one of the pictures was there was this girl in just like a normal, like yellow dress. And below it, it said, there's no way I'm going to pronounce her name right. Anika mm-hmm. from the gathering. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And they had, um, you know, they gave her a little review of the performance. So I went to Best Buy and bought the record. And I was like, oh, my God. And so I've been hooked on them ever since. Yeah, Anika Van Gersbergen. I believe is who you sure. are. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Jay, I had to do a lot of <laughs> studying on this, man. I actually uh, got a Rosetta Stone uh, so that I could <laughs> learn all the Dutch names. Christmas. For Christmas, mom and dad got you Rosetta Stone. Yeah. So I've been I've been working on the pronunciation because this is a band from Oss in the Netherlands. OSS is the name of the city. They've been around since 1989. Uh, they were together till 2014, and then they took out. They were on a hiatus from 2014 to 2017, and they got back together last year. And they've had a lot of members. There's an interesting sort of trajectory for this band because they started out with a completely different lead singer and a different sound almost. And yeah. um, when I was going to Spotify to listen to the record. I mistakenly clicked on the wrong record. I went to uh, one of the earlier records first. I think I went to either Always or Almost a Dance, which are 92 and 93. And it's mm-hmm. not what this record sounds like. And, <laughs> yeah, and I was close. I was like, oh, I'm I'm not sure I can I'm not sure what I don't we can I'm, do this one, yeah. No. I don't know sure we can do this. <laughs> Be the first record we've ever turned down. Yeah, I almost I almost yeah, use the 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 void button. Refund. <laughs> <laughs> uh but then we and then I found it and I was like, okay, well this this makes sense. So Jay, had you heard of the gathering before this? Because I had not. Nope, not at all. And I feel like, you know, in the description of what Scott talked about in terms of those other bands, none of which I knew their names. Oh, okay. There are, well, Lacuna Coil. That's that's the one where I I knew the name. Probably have heard them once or twice because uh, I think they get played on some like mainstream mainstream like heavy radio yeah, yeah. stations. Yeah, they're so, on um, Octane and stuff. So. And uh, I'm Jay here in Columbus. Probably ninety nine seven. The Blitz would play them. Okay. That's that sort of station. So I, I kind of like got a little bit of a understanding of like the sound, which is described as, you know, gothic metal or gothic doom or progressive doom or alternative shoegaze, gothic metal, doom, progressive trip hop. Lots of lots of descriptors <laughs> in, involved with with this band. Um, so a little bit more on. The band. So the band is essentially was formed by a couple of brothers, Hans and Rene Rutten, uh, with vocalist Bart Smits. And that was more of a death metal sound from what I accidentally stumbled upon. Sort of like Celtic Frost or something like that. Yeah, they were uh it, it's interesting is 
besides the gathering, there, there's a there's a, a bunch of bands that seemingly all formed and started at the same time, who were either like a, a black metal or a death metal band, and then over time they've changed like like these guys have. Like I don't know if you're Catatonia, they were the same thing. They're uh, they were like a really heavy death metal band, and now they're almost like this kind of romantic gothy kind of stuff. And uh, Amorphous was the same thing. They're a black metal band. They they almost became like a progressive Zeppelin band. And so it's it it, it you know it, it there's some backlash to the audience, but I think over there it's just kind of like oh okay that's what they do. So. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that. Uh... It all just nets out to rock and roll over there. I don't know. I've never visited those countries, but it just it seems like it's a lot more like open and like musically in terms of uh, you know bands can be super like dark and noisy and switch to be melodic and it's would have the same audience. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's also because over there, um, a lot of those bands are a lot of those guys are in three and four bands at the same yeah. time. And it's just, you know, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like these guys are, uh, I can't, there's no way I'm pronouncing names again. Uh, they're in like Demura Burger, which is like a, a black metal band. Then two of the other guys are in a band called Chrome Division, which is like this, you know, biker band. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, eh, okay, whatever. So, yeah. Yep. And that's how, just how it is. It's what's like, you know, everybody knows, uh, the helicopters, yep. you know, Nikki Anderson, who's in the helicopters. And, uh, and at the same time he was in, entombed. Which is you know a totally different band. So right, and he was the drummer. <laughs> yeah, he was the drummer and entombed, and the singer, guitarist, and the helicopters. Yeah, he actually you know he um, he wrote a lot of stuff with entombed. And actually, if people like uh, the helicopters, if they go and listen to um, entombed's Wolverine Blues, it, it there's a, a lot of similarities between those. Huh. Two, just for it's 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 not as uh, it, it's got that there's a term called uh, death and roll that kind of came out around that time because uh, uh, it, it's 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 got the kind of death metal thing but it's got that rock and roll kind of swing to it mm-hmm. and so um, it's worth Spotifying. I will check that out. Yes, as we were both big helicopters fans. Um, so yeah. a little bit of info on this album specifically. It was released. Um, and I don't know if this is just the UK release date based on, uh, or this was a worldwide release. It was released November 9th, 1998, uh, produced by Atti Bois, that's B-A-U-W. And um, it was considered a major shift from what their earlier sound ones was. Uh, so Anique Van Gersbergen, Geiersbergen. She get she actually joined the band two albums earlier. This was the album that uh, they scored a couple of singles in the UK that did well with this album. Previously, with I think Mandy Lion was the one that came out in what was it 1995, I believe. Yeah, Mandy Lion came out in '95, and that was where they scored like their first actual relatively strong singles. Um, and that one sold 130,000 copies in Europe, which is for Europe is a is a strong number. A lot. Yeah. And then Nighttime Birds was the one that came out in 1997. That sold about 90,000 copies. So prior to this record, you know, they have four albums. And then after they released this record, uh, they released If Then Else in 2000, Souvenirs in 2003, Home in 2006, 
The West Pole in 2009, Disclosure in 2012, and Afterwards in 2013. Now, the lineup has changed quite a bit, as we mentioned, as, as the sound has changed quite a bit, and as well as the lineups. Uh, Anik only was with the band until the mid-2000s, um, and then was replaced by vocalist <laughs> Silji Vergland. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce it. There's too many consonants. Sure. There's there's way too many consonants for what should be a person's first name. They're yeah. all like mangled together, and I can't uh, quite pr- figure out how to actually pronounce it correctly. But anyway, so this is and this is a unique phenomenon that this is a band that's gone through something like four different lead singers. Started with Bart Smith, yeah, had four. Niles Dufus for a brief period of time, and then Anik, and then Silge, uh, currently, or up until 2014. Well, there's been there's there's been two since Anik left. Oh, two since Anik left. Okay. Yeah, if I remember right. So both both ladies. I would imagine so, based on with the success of the records that she sang on. Yeah. That th- in order to cover that material, they would have to. They uh, just stuck with, kind of stuck with the formula. So. Right. Let's get into this record. It's a long record. It's a double album. Jay, I'm going to go with you first. You were not familiar. I was not familiar. So tell me one thing you liked about the Gatherings album, How to Measure a Planet. I think the, the what's interesting to me about this record is that if you if you were to isolate all the tracks individually, um, I don't think there's any one thing that is remarkable but or just uh unique mm-hmm. but when you put it together they don't sound like any other band and i think that's what's um I, I think for me what works so well um and the reason there's something genuine about that in terms of you know if you're the point of creating a brand a band is to actually bring together different people and create something unique and right i think that at their essence they're doing that um to the point where like nobody really um steps on anybody else's toes the ta- the songs tend to be really slow mm-hmm. which opens up a ton of space for you to appreciate you know all the cool keyboard stuff that's going on but then also you know pick up on the guitar tone and then obviously the vocal and there's some really cool drum stuff going on and so i enjoyed that i just i liked listening to them play especially in these tempos it's a great headphone mm-hmm. listen and I just like the idea that they're using simple elements and there's some cool sounds and stuff going on and some unique performances, but they're really looking at ways of how do you bring all that together so that it it sounds original. Like I I heard some of those bands, I guess, a little bit, but this felt a little ahead of its time to me. Like the the bands that you mentioned, like Wakuna Coil, and they I, I associate those bands with a little later in the like the early 2000s, the mid 2000s, Nightwish and that kind of stuff. And this seems like maybe a little ahead of that. I could be wrong, but so yeah, I just thought overall it's just a really cool sound, an original sounding band.
So, Scott, let me ask you, how often do you revisit this record? Is this something that you go back to often? Is this something you haven't picked up in a while? And uh, Yeah, I haven't, I haven't picked this up in a while. Uh, and uh, it's weird because I've, I've, when I got to that, I love this band, love this album. And um, and I've, I've bought everything else since since this album, and I bought all her, her, you know, after she left, she's done a bunch of solo stuff. I've listened to all that, and um, but yeah, it's weird. I haven't, you know, as much as I love this album, I haven't listened to it in a while, and until actually just like the past couple of days, I started like, okay, I gotta, you know, kind of get ready, and um, yeah. And then in re- revisiting it for the review, what were the things that stood out to you that, you know, that you enjoyed, uh, whether they were things that you enjoyed before or new things that have come out in uh, revisiting it? You, like he said, just said, it's the way that it all you just kind of merge everything together you know that that well that kind of guys bizarre genre description that you kind of read earlier because it is it is just kind of a, a a mash of a bunch of different stuff it is kind of shoegazy it is kind of techno it is kind of hard rock it is kind of electronic it is kind of power pop and it's this old giant musical stew and um in essence it probably shouldn't work but for some reason it does i mean even the you know the songs are I think the average song length is like five minutes. Easy, yeah. Easy, and um, and sometimes you know, a lot of times I think the way just because it's a slower tempo and because the songs kind of get to get to breathe, um, it doesn't drag that much to me. Um, and I'm, you know, it's weird because when this came out, this is when we're all everybody's you know CDs, and so when you would go to the store and you would see a CD and you're like, Oh man, this one's got 10 songs. Then you, you're like, well, I could get this album from this band. It's got like 10 songs, but this album from this other band's got 15 songs. I'm going to get the 15 song album. I'm going to get more money. Worth. And now as time's gone on, I'm like, Oh no, you know, Aerosmith rocks has eight songs. That's perfect. And, um, <laughs> and this has, you know, 13 long songs or 14. I'm not going to count the title track, but, um, it, it, it's yeah, it's I still like that. You know, you could probably take a little razor and kind of trim off a little fat here and there, but I, I, yeah, I still I still like it. Uh, I have a comment to read from our Patreon folks to uh, chime in before I give my own uh, opinion on this record. Uh, the, the one thing that I liked, um, it's from Steven Musinski of the band Hollow Earth. He says this record is dense. Not only in length, but also in content. If I said that Gran Turismo by the Cardigans qualified as Moody Gloom, then I guess this makes this record Moody Doom. The basic mm. <laughs> elements at play here are usually a recipe for success in my book. A strong female lead vocal at top layers of lush guitars and keys. But for some reason, I can't latch onto this thing. None of the songs really stand out. Instead, it all sort of blends together, and her vocal ends up just exhausting me. I've attempted to listen to it this thing twice now the first time i didn't make it to the end but on the second go around i powered through though it was not easy as usual i'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one maybe i'm totally missing something one last thought did either of you completely misjudge this album by its cover i sure did that's a good question yeah i'm not sure what the cover is supposed to be is that supposed to be like the engine of a rocket ship or uh a camera uh, I thought lens? It was a telescope oh it's a telescope yeah i thought it was a telescope or a tele um like a, a lens on a camera, okay. but I, I want to add the band name as well. I mean, I, I hadn't heard of, heard of the band, and 
looking at the record, it, it was you just I went in with no almost no uh, preconceptions at all. Like I had no idea what this was going to sound like. Right. If anything, maybe the record album cover looks like it's going to be a little bit like more alternate, like traditional alt, alt rock or something. Right. Um, but the name doesn't give you much information. You don't really know what you're getting into. No, I, I couldn't, I didn't really couldn't discern anything from the album cover. Um, so in terms of the things or the thing that I liked about this record, you know, in accidentally d- discovering the earlier stuff and then being able to compare it, I have to say the thing that um, you guys have mentioned and and maybe confounded Stephen a little bit was I like the overall, like the way that they put it together, it works. And when I listened to that earlier record or a couple of them, a couple songs off those earlier records, the the combination of everything didn't work for me. Like there was a piano line, but it sounded completely separate from the guitars, or and there was a vocal, but it again it sounded completely separate from everything. It's and they, it just sounded like they wanted these things to go together, so they just recorded them all together. And whether or not they really belong together is up to the listener, but it didn't work for me. Mm. This everything sounds like it belongs together. Like there is a they're able to take in some weird ways elements of massive attack and the Cocteau twins and pink Floyd combine that with some occasional heavy guitars and a sort of cure disintegration, Gothic, you know, goth sort of approach. And I don't know if it's just the production that makes it work or if they just figured out how to restrain themselves a little bit more but the overall presentation is what really works for me because i don't think that on a song by song level like you were saying jay i don't think anything like necessarily like sticks out for me but when i just put the record on and just let it play like from song to song it's sequenced well and it just sort of like moves through this record and through the two halves in a real interesting and sort of uh, natural way that I, I really enjoyed. You touched on it a little bit there. The way that the 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 elements work together. Something that yeah. <clears throat> a choice they made here that I thought was really effective was uh, the guitar tone is not a. I think a band like this, uh, some of the others we've mentioned, and when you listen to the rest of the music, you would th- maybe see the guitar tone going to more of a like clean and a crunchy kind of metal tone. Yeah. Um, and this is not like that. Like this is a very kind of f- sometimes fuzzy, a little bit gnarly. It's got a lot of character to it. Yeah. Um, which I actually think it sits better with, you know, the keyboard sounds they use often are like Mellotron sounds, which are kind of, you know, a, a 60s and 70s organ that samples you know, um, choirs and, and, and different instruments. So it has this kind of quirky, eerie yep. um, sample tone. And I think they just, it seems like they they took their time figuring out how to pick sounds and tones that work together. So it doesn't sound like, um, I mean, this band could very easily become, kind of go over the top and become melodramatic with how it's produced. Right. And I think they made choices here that, that don't, uh, that are more restrained and more, just overall more interesting, I guess. Um, and, and don't go that direction. They go some different directions and 
it, it just makes it for a much more unique flavor overall. Yeah, and I liked the her vocal especially. Um, it reminded me a little bit of both uh, Elizabeth Frazier from Cocteau Twins as well as Lisa Gerard from Did Can Dance, which I, I think this band in certain respects is is hearkening back to some of those four AD bands of like the of the nineteen eighties, some of those ethereal kind of experimental sounds that some of those bands were were messing around with. I think that guitar tone that you're mentioning, you know, I, I know this band's Dutch, but like there's a lot of like early nineties British stuff that kind of has that sound. I, I you know, the shoegaze gets thrown around for this band, and I don't necessarily hear shoegaze in the sense of like uh, the big wall of sound shoegaze that like My Bloody Valentine would do, but like sounds like from a band like Lush in their earlier years, where they would they would use the clean tones, but they'd have some tremolo on them or or some delay, and it would create some sort of atmospheric sounds. Um, you know that early lush sound is not far off from some of the guitar stuff that's going on here. Yeah, and this—I mean, this band could have very easily—you uh, could hear them replacing a guitar with like a stereotypical metal guitar player. Yeah, and and they would sound like a hundred other bands. But well, that, think... between that and how they use the keyboards, that's the other thing I thought was interesting: is that the choices that he makes on the keyboard um, yeah. are different. Like they're not typical of what you would normally hear. He doesn't go over the top playing like these crazy lush piano parts or. I mean, even the presence of it, like it doesn't take over. It just provides like this really cool like bed of sound. Yeah. And it'll accent things here and there, but it's not like an over the top, like dramatic synth keyboard or piano uh, section of the uh, of the music or whatnot. Well, I think one of the issues or one of the things that impacted this record is from reading about it, is that the guitar, they had another guitar player, uh, Jelmer Wiersma. And he left the band prior to them recording this record, so I th- I think that maybe that's what opened up the sound a little bit on mm. this album is that they didn't have that guitar going. Um, the guitar was primarily handled by uh, one of the brothers. Renee was the guitarist, and Hans is the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like. Anik plays guitar in a couple of the tracks, but um, yeah, I think I think the departure of that guitar player kind of is the key because, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but prior to this album, 
Scott, are they still sort of using that like heavy uh, doomish guitar sound? You know, it, if the album before Nighttime Birds, uh, you really you that's more. It's uh, it's really kind of a I guess combination of like this album and the kind of earlier doomier stuff. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it's got more guitar than 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 this one does. Like you said earlier about the restraint. Um, yeah, I think by having the guitar guy not being there, like on um, Great Ocean, there's a kind of like a breakdown, and there's you almost have it sounds almost sounds like like when you somebody you hear somebody stomp a pedal, mm-hmm. and the, the guitar solo comes in, but it's not really a guitar solo. It's almost like it just a couple of notes like do 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 do, and uh, I think a reg- if a guitar player, you know, <laughs> my ego would be like, oh, I'm gonna tear this up. But I guess because it's the brothers and they're thinking of it from several different angles and they just really just let it flow. Yeah, they just let it like play to the song. Yeah, yeah. I think that comes across for me. I, I kept waiting for that moment of like, all right, where's the guitar player going to come in and like do some like you know shredding lead, or we're going to go into this super riff riff fest of just heavy yeah. Ramstein guitars or something, and it never really happens. Now, I mean, this record does get heavy and dark at times. So there's no doubt about that. But yeah, like um, on Liberty it, Bell, there's some. Yeah, on that, which is but, cool. Uh, it's a nice change of pace, actually. I agree. Yeah, I think that was one of the singles. Yes, I remember right. Yeah, although I'm sure they cut it down because it's 6:02, and uh, yeah, most <laughs> I think on the first disc, all but one song is over five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, they got and, their they got their money's worth in the plastic. Yeah, well, they looked at the the CD length and they were like, "We can use it all. We'll yep. just use it all." Hey, up. we're gonna pay for it. Uh, so let me ask you, Jay, what, what what were the things, or what was something that didn't work for you on this record? Well, I'm with Steven a little bit. I mean, there's a lot to take in here. You know, we're we're a little biased in that. You know, we're we're looking at this a bit, uh, you know, in an academic way. You know, we're 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 focusing we're we're staying with the record yeah we want to give it a chance um and and you kind of have to have a commitment to it because i think it um Mm -hmm. the songs take a while to get started sometimes there's a lot of material here Mm -hmm. um there are we talked about how long some of the songs are i think it in a spotify era i think it's a lot more difficult to give this record a record like this a chance i think if you bought this on cd you know 20 years ago it'd probably be a hell of a lot easier because you throw it in your car or whatever, or throw it in your 
CD player and you leave it in there and you 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 kind of commit to it. And I think you need to do that a little bit with this record because, um, you know, it takes a while to absorb it. So uh, I think that's my biggest challenge with it. I like the vocal at times. I wish he did a little bit more. Um, I, I have several notes on a lot of songs where I just want there to be something huge to happen. And, and a lot of times I'm, I'm looking for the vocal to do that and it doesn't quite go there. Uh, sometimes the band goes there, you know, they'll bring out a riff or there'll be a cool chord change, but I'd really love to hear the vocal just find a couple spots on the record where she really just, you know, rips into something and grabs hold of it and, and, and kind of gets out of this. She's always in this like ethereal kind of floating above the music place. And sometimes I love, I would love if the, it was a little more intimate, like it pulled you into just her and she grabbed, kind of grabbed the mic uh, metaphorically and, and, you know, took a hold of a part of the song um, and really drove it. Uh, I think that was kind of the the biggest missing piece for me on this record. Scott, in in revisiting this record, was there anything that, uh, or when you had it originally, that maybe in comparison now where you think, oh, that's not as strong as I thought it was, or were there things that bothered you then and bothered you now, or are you pretty much on board with the whole record as it is? Now, when I when I first heard it, I just thought it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Just because it was, at the time, you know, there was nothing like it. I mean, I, I, I didn't really listen to um, a lot of the kind of stuff it's, it's going to kind of compare to. And so I, you know, it's coming from a different world. Um, to me, like Red, my favorite track on here is Rescue Me, which I think is just a really kind of love song. Um, but, you know, you know, as time's gone on, like I mentioned earlier, that the time it is, uh, like the guy said earlier, it does take some work to get into now. Um, I, I think it's, you know, as time has changed and it, it the songs kind of get almost a little formulaic at times, you know, it's, uh, it starts slow her vocals come in and it slowly builds to crescendo. Um, and that, you know, that to me, it's kind of nitpicky. I think the the brothers, um, maybe a little, a little too self-indulgent, you know, two, uh, two CDs worth, you know, having a, an instrumental track, before their the twenty five minute instrumental track, um, title track is like, dude, come on, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like come on, even Dream Theater doesn't pull that, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I wanted to mention that because I I heard the you know progressive kept getting brought up with this, and I is this really progressive in the sense that. When I think of progressive, I think of like a lot of like super musical, like you know, difficult time changes and and uh, just really complex and and this to me, it's a it's a not that it's not complex. I'm sure that there's some complexity to this, but it's at such a pace that it's hard for me right. to notice anything that's my you know wildly complex. Um, I definitely get all of the accolades. I, I, you know, I think this is a strong record, but I don't get the progressive, at least maybe I'm not thinking of progressive in the right way. Is, is there, you know, I know progressive isn't just dream theater. There's other bands that are progressive right. rock. And I know the that only thing I, 
only I think progressive if you, you think of it as the actual term. I think because they're doing, they're bringing together all these different kind of things and making something new as for, like progressive in that way. But yeah, I know. I think progressive going to get thrown, thrown around a little too willy nilly. Okay. Bands. I think I think I think people a lot of times they think new is like a new sub is a uh, is a sub is a synonym for progressive. You know, mm. like no, it's just it's just diff- it's just different. Gotcha. All right. As far as I, I hear you, what you guys are saying, I think um, I would have liked to have heard, yeah, a little less formula, and it, it reminded me. Um, I really like explosions in the sky. But that band seems to follow the same mm-hmm. format on every single song, which is you start with a you know quiet picking of a track of a guitar, and then the track builds and builds and builds, and the crescendos, and then it stops. And it's like, okay, I've heard three consecutive songs that do the exact same thing, and I get I get it. So I I wish there was a little bit more diversity in the sounds. Um, we mentioned the one track, Liberty Bell. That's in terms of, I mean, there are parts of songs that get louder, but that's really the only song that I can recollect that's that aggressively loud and fast. Uh, most of the stuff is not like that. And I do agree with there, the 28 and minute and 33 second instrumental experimental track, probably not necessary. Uh, yeah. There's actually a <laughs> Japanese version of this album. That is 13 tracks. And it's one disc. That's an option. If you want to buy it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to go on a Discogs and spend whatever amount of money there is to uh to pick that up, you can go that you can go that route if you like. Well, I I'm, you know, I just see what you sound, you know, the kind of sameness of lost stuff. Um what oh, what's the track I've written down? Um My Electricity, which I thought was a, had a little kind of pseudo industrial tinge to it, but it not enough to where you're like, Oh, that's different. It's almost kind of dancey in a way. I heard a, a, a couple of bands on this tracker that w- were surprising. The more I think I'm invested in it and, and really pulled it apart, uh, you know, Liberty bell at times I, musically it got to a space where it sounded a little bit like Caius, but with like Alanis Morissette singing, if you can imagine that. Um, but then there's in the bridge the melody in there. It almost sounds like ABBA, like if you just pulled the melody out and played on a different instrument. Um, it, you can hear some Cardigans kind of sensibilities, maybe not vocally but musically, um, which makes sense. Um, and then uh, there's quite a bit of Pink Floyd, I think, just spirit on this record um, that I heard pop out here and there. Yeah. Um, and I did like the acoustic textures. It's not all you know electric guitar. There there are quite a few moments on here where they where they use acoustic guitars uh, pretty effectively they did an acoustic album too which is really good hmm. nice which is kind of which is when you think about this band you're like really they did an acoustic album like yeah it's it's, it's really good hmm. i think it's called it i don't know if it's spotify or not it's called sleepy buildings is that uh is it a live album or is it a studio album it's a live album interesting there's a live there's a live album too and then there's that that acoustic album. Okay. So let's give our overall ratings on this, Jay. Worthy double album. Well, let me actually, let me refigure this. Worthy double album. Better single album. 
decent EP. And uh, I don't, I'm trying to trim this down. I don't. I don't think you, even one song isn't a single because it's so long. They're yeah. all so long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, where are you at, Jay? Oh. I'm really struggling between a, a, a an album and a strong EP. Um, definitely not a double album. When I listened to it for some reason on Spotify, it didn't break the two albums apart. And now I'm looking at it, and I can see the. I don't know. I, I listened to it through the uh, the mobile app, and I didn't see the album breakout. And now I'm on the desktop, and I see it. I, I'd be curious to go back and just focus on it as a the first album, and just see if that works a little better. Uh, so basically, it tracks one through nine. I think I'd be more in that that amount of material for the record, somewhere in the seven to nine range, considering how long some of these songs are. So I'm a an LEP. <laughs> a, a long play ep there you go i i did listen to it on the desktop version i guess you'd say so i saw where the break was i feel like this works the first half of the record definitely makes a lot more sense than the second record being added the second half of it so i i'm i think it's a solid record and you could easily, I think nine is easy with that first album or first, the first half of the record disc one, I guess you'd say, and then easily could make it a, uh, you know, 10 songs or 11 songs. I did like the track South American ghost ride. I think that's mostly instrumental. There's some like, there might be some yeah. stuff in there, but it's not a vocal of any sort from, uh, Anique. um, but I'm I'm at a worthy record for this. I I definitely don't think double record just because that's that 28 minute track is just not necessary uh, in any way, and that just sort of drags the second disc down for me. So I'll I'll put this to you, Scott. Is it a worthy double record, or does it need to be trimmed down to a single record? I think it's a worthy Japanese release. Because the Japanese Japanese release is everything except the, the title track, which is the twenty five minutes minutes of indulgence. Yep. So. Yeah, that seems to be the way to go with that yeah. with that particular track. If they're listening, if they're listening to Spotify, just listen to tracks one through twelve. There you go. Uh, and I'd be curious if they did single cut edits of uh, Liberty Bell. They did. And what those? They did. They, yeah, there's like. a there's a. I don't know if it's on Spotify. They, there's a um, there's a release called Souvenirs um, okay. that's got a bunch of rare tracks and singles and edits and stuff on there, and so that's on there. I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. I, I don't know if it's on Spotify or not. Okay, I'm on my phone, so I can look. Yeah, I'd be curious. But yeah, it's, it's called Souvenirs. It's, it's two tracks, and it's got because they've, they've got a lot of bonus side. They, they, you know, at that time, late '90s. You know, there's always CD singles release, uh, releases, and so there's live tracks and alternate versions of sure. radio edits and whatnot on there. The good old days. Yes. All right. Well, we have reached a pretty solid consensus of probably in the LP range, although Jay's in the newly designated category of LEP. Um <laughs> 
We, uh, Scott, thank you for for picking this record. This is a cool record. It totally opened me up to a, a totally new sound that I had not uh, been familiar with prior to um, checking this yeah. out. So, uh, pretty much every band yeah, that's connected to them on, pardon? I think I threw you guys a little curveball. Yeah. So. Uh, every band that they're connected to on Spotify, I pretty much have not heard of. So at some point, I'm going to. Um, Start going through. Who, like, who's it, who's, who's it recommending? Uh, bands such as Theater of Tragedy, Stream mm. of Passion, um, After Forever. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, lots of things that look like covers of uh, adult young <laughs> fantasy novels. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Anathema. You know, yeah, they're good. Anathema is really good. Okay, they're they're just standing uh, around in coats, so they they might just they didn't get the message about the. Uh... <laughs> they're just standing around in coats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of those covers are just like, oh my god, it's like it's like somebody uncovered like a bunch of uh, leftover you know Dungeon Master Fifth Edition you know promo copies. Like, oh, put that on album cover. So. <laughs> yeah. Another band similar that doesn't have a female singer is uh, I mentioned before called Catatonia. It's with a K, and um, it, it's their album uh, "Last Good Deal Gone Down." It's fantastic. It's one of the best sounding records I've ever heard. Um, it's it's similar, but not. But it, it's it's really good. I think I've tried to check that band out in the past, and I bet they're. I have to find the right record. Yeah, it, yeah, there. I've because I love that album and a lot of the other stuff. I'm kind of lukewarm on. So Which I don't one? know. If I just I don't know if I did, I just caught that album at the right time, and so I'm attached to it. Or but Which one is it? I'm going. Last through it. good deal gone down. There's an album called Last Fair Deal Gone Down. There you go. Close enough. There you go. <laughs> Jay, before we go, we need to thank our latest Patreon patron. That's Johnny Hooper. He has joined us at Patreon. And uh, we want to thank him and remind folks, if they like to become a patron, they can go to www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out. You can join us and get access to, like we mentioned, the polls that we will be throwing up every month to vote on albums you'll get access to bonus content uh we do usually do bonus content like once a month and um our quarterly giveaways which we haven't determined our prize for the first quarter yet of uh, 2018 but i'm sure there'll be something interesting that uh, we'll get our hands on and we'll pass it along to the folks in our patreon community um and then also if you like what you heard please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you, guys. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. 